Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I'm Barb, and I'm joined by Leah and Bonnie talking about our one cool medicine woman. Bonnie talked about the great healer, and Leah talked about everyone's grandmother. Yeah. And I would say their real names, but I can't pronounce them. (laughs) But before we dive back into uh, our one cool medicine woman, I want to get to know something about, uh, something random about our gal pals. So since medicine women or Mm -hmm. shaman uh, are known to identify needs and provide you what you need. Mm -hmm. At this time of the year in your community of friends and family, what do you need most at this time of the year? So think of this time of the year being the end of the year. Think of this time of the year being holidays. Right. Yep. That type of thing. November, December, lots of stuff going on. What, What is it that your circle of friends and family need? When I was in retail... Uh, which Bonnie slightly still is. <laughs> Do you call it the, uh, what did I even call it? Earlier? I can't even remember. I started to ask you the same thing. I know. Uh, I think I call it the triangle of sadness. Uh, it's, it's... Yeah. Because it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, and then it's returns in New Year's. <laughs> it's it's, it's just, when people are evil. It's, um. <laughs> to retail people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like you get busier and not only are you busier like at work. You know, Life. we as women yeah. mm-hmm. are usually the ones doing all, you know, we're playing host. So yep. We have to clean the house and exactly. whatever. Figure we're out who's coming or where you're going. Travel. Usually buying all the, the holiday gifts because yep. the hu- the husbands are like, you know, we, right. we don't know. We don't I know don't these know people. We, got these. Yeah. <laughs> we need to spend money on them, but we don't know these people. <laughs> like um, my uh, boss at work a year or two ago sent her husband to just mail the package she she had it already okay. addressed all yes. you had to do was just, drop it off at the yeah. post office and pay for it and he was like freaking out and she's like what do you think i've been doing for 20 years right. like what yes like you had to do this one thing mm-hmm. i bought all the stuff i wrapped it yes i mean there is a point where the post office does become hell on earth i believe a, a portal directly to hell <laughs> <laughs> when it's that Last week mailing window, especially that weekend yes, of yes. mailing, like your stuff will actually arrive before and Christmas. And they've, they've started publicizing that, because, right? Yeah. People, because yeah. people don't know. Right. And so, people can't math. <laughs> so right. when they just tell you December 17th is when you need to yes. get your stuff to us. Yes. And then the line is incredible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it's always coming from like all fronts. So, yes. So yeah. No. It's, no. Holidays is it's no. Hard. It's hard. It's, it's definitely a hard time of the year. So even though I will totally answer. So what do you need uh. this time of year? I feel like <laughs> I feel like you've already encompassed the energy. And so now what do you need to help you get through? Lots and lots of alcohol. <laughs> no. Yeah. Alcohol and puppies? No. I'm still writing the high from the wedding. Yeah. Which is like. It was Everyone, fantastic! Is so freaking amazing. Yeah, that's what you. So I'm still on an amazing that wedding. High before yes. I crash there into the holidays. Fair. We got you when you crash, by the way. <laughs> and we'll have alcohol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been bad. Like I remember a couple years ago, just trying to get you know working at work, mm-hmm. and then trying to get everything ready for the Christmas stuff. I think it was 
I was having like a breakdown because we had made like a list and people were asking me to go get stuff for mom and then hide it places. Oh no. And then people were multiplying those gifts because they weren't communicating with each other who bought what. Right. So then I also had to do returns and I was just, I was, I remember just crying and being like, I hate Christmas. (laughs) Y'all suck. Yeah, there you go. So a spreadsheet, alcohol. <laughs> well, now we use um, a Gifter. Like, it's oh, like Gifter. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So That's... no one can see who's bought or like the person can't see. Yes. But you can know if there's duplicates because it'll yeah. it'll have it off the list of, yeah, you can't have that one thing. One year, mom got four uh, like food choppers. <laughs> oh my gosh. No one needs four uh, food choppers unless you run a restaurant, which the last time I checked, your mom doesn't run a restaurant. <laughs> that is amazing. All right. Well, also work on those, uh, those herbs because I'm just saying <laughs> some of them could maybe come in handy. <laughs> Not saying which one. (laughs) Keep your options open. (laughs) Uh, Mine is very, it's, I'm going to say books, but it's really cave time is kind of what I end up calling it. Like it's a lot of outward things in a time of year that to me is internal. So I'm very Scandinavian. I believe Ancestry says 84% Scandinavian is my, is my DNA. So I like to cave. I like to stay inside to, you know, not rush the elements and to, you know, not people. But Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's is very people. And it's also a lot of end of the year, like, organizations are having come to our holiday party. And it's like, Mm -hmm. this goes against how my natural rhythm is right now. Mm -hmm. So I just try to balance with... I'm going to be in my cave (laughs) and I'm going to not people so that I have then that ability to people sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Books help that because it's like, but I've got one more chapter. I've got one more book. I've got to stay. It gives me that accountability to kind of stay with it sort of thing. So, and to stay inside. Barb, what about you? So I'm right. I'm right there with you. I think, especially when I was, when I was working before, I I always said I was nesting. Yes. So especially between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I took a lot of vacation. Um, I traveled a lot for work, so I made sure I wasn't traveling. I was home. Mm -hmm. I was making all of our favorite foods. You know, I was making all the rich desserts and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, and I still do that element of it. Right. Even though I'm so soothing. It is. It is very soothing. Especially when it's just for like you and the people in the cave with yes, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's yes. when I say it's cave nesting, sex. there's mm-hmm. three of us yeah. and the dog. And there you, you know, go. And so yeah, that's dog what counts. we're exactly. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Um but I also do think about the connection yeah. with extended uh family mm-hmm. and then with our friend group. So I still do try to carve out time. Yeah, and with, to find that energy for it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, the extended family a lot spread out in Ohio mm-hmm. and um, you know, as they grow and everybody gets uh, you know, married and has kids. I want to make sure that we're just not all together in one group. Yeah. And you get like two minutes with every person. And it's too much, right? It is too much. Yeah. So I do, I have the past couple of years, especially through COVID. And I think this is probably one of the things that came out of COVID for me, which was I didn't want to get in a big group yeah. anymore. So right. I, I went to individual families' houses 
And I loved it because yeah. I got that one-on-one -on -one time with not only, you know, my nieces and nephews and great nieces and great nephews, but then their kids as well. You get to um, see them in their natural habitat yes, as well. Yes, <laughs> exactly, which can be scary. As I said earlier to Leah, yeah. I um, I think I said it to Leah. I only have one one child and she's very quiet. So when I get into a household that has six kids. Oh, it's loud. They could be very loud. Oh, yeah. So that can be a very sh much a shock to my yep. senses. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. That connection is important. Yes. Coming back home and nesting and balancing it out. I love. So you can do both. Yeah. A glass of wine, tree, mm -hmm. fireplace, chocolate chip cookie. Quiet. Yes, chocolate chip <laughs> cookie. And quiet. You know, maybe the mm -hmm. TV on, maybe a holiday special. So yeah. that's kind of what I need. But I think that's what recharges me. All of it does, right? So that yeah. nesting, that connection, mm -hmm. and then that quiet alone time. I need all of those through the holidays to keep me. Yeah. To keep me there. Because I do love the base idea of the holidays is yep. giving and togetherness. Yes. Yep. I love that. Just comes at a time of year when I don't want any of that. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's like, right. okay, if we're going to do this. Yes. <laughs> it's like a marathon. <laughs> I think as, as we all get older and mature and, and realize what yeah. we need. Our priorities. Yes. Yes. We have, exactly. to we have to balance all that out. So This is very true. Very good. Very good discussion. I like especially that. Especially coming off of Thanksgiving. I know, and right? And going into the December month. It's okay to go into your K. It's right. You, it's totally and, fine. You do you know, make you yourself a priority and, uh, mm -hmm. and watch, out, watch out for those pitfalls of retail hell be nice to retail be nice people. to bonnie oh my, my goodness always be nice to bonnie always period be nice end to of bonnie. a sentence however retail people just be nice to them they're yes. really fighting a battle that you, you mm. don't mm. i i hate you know <laughs> coming right off of thanksgiving and then seeing all those images from you know black friday yeah. shopping and the fighting and all the of that. worst of the worst of exactly us. we went from all, oh, thanks. You I know, love you. Togetherness. Right. Would you like some more cranberries? Right. I'm going to stab you over that coffee mug. Get away from my coffee. You know, it's like, okay, people. Right. What has happened to us? I know, right? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> all right. All right. So I. Yes. Who do you have for us? I have yeah. Gladys. No, I'm just Oh, exactly. my gosh. <laughs> I almost had the panic attack again. I'm like, seriously, she does have the exact same person I just talked about. I have um, uh, Susan LaFleche Picot. Ooh, yes. Uh, Susan LaFleche was born in June of 1865 on the Omaha Reservation in oh. eastern Nebraska. Oh, cool. She was born to Mary Gale and her husband, Joseph LaFleche. Okay. He was also not known as Iron Eye. Iron Eye. Iron Eye. Ooh. I like it, doesn't it? It, it sounds, sounds like Iron Man. Right. So it I'm kind of like, yes, it sounds he's powerful. a warrior. I like it. Um, Iron Eye. eye patch. <laughs> right. Exactly right. That too. Very <laughs> cool. Got that one eye. It's like, <laughs> like that bright blue. Yes. That looks into your soul. Yes. There you go. You I, tell them all of your secrets. You're I'm, like, I'm thinking sorry. he thought he probably could do that. Yeah, uh, I like it. <laughs> Iron Eye was of Punka and French Canadian descent. Oh, sweet. Uh, he was an adopted uh, gent, but he was adopted as an adult oh, okay. by yeah. the Omaha chief Big Elk. And he was chosen to train as Big Elk's successor. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, so the assistant in charge, or the VP, if you will. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, All right. Yes. I gotcha. Uh, so Mary Gale was the daughter of Dr. John Gale, a white United States Army surgeon, and Nakomi, a woman of Omaha, Otto, and Iowa heritage. Ah. So like her husband, she identified as Omaha. Okay. Um, Iron Eye and Mary were married around 1845 or 1846. Okay. Um, and Iron Eye became chief of the Omaha tribe, 
tribe, succeeding Big Elk as planned Mm -hmm. around 1855. And that was about 10 years before uh, their daughter, Susan LaFleche, was born. Um, Iron Eye, by the way, was actually the last recognized um, historic chief of the Omaha. So they have, they have, uh, tribe leadership now right right but this was the last kind of the more traditional indian chief of the time um and uh susan uh, again was one of the one of the daughters she was actually the youngest of uh four daughters Mm -hmm. she also had an older half brother um so you may think it's kind of interesting that in this era you know kind of in the mid 1800s that we have half siblings right but he was chief right so he could take on multiple wives okay yeah and yeah, he yeah. Did. there you so, go there so you that's go. why we had a kind of a blended family back in the mid 1800s nice um iron eye and mary uh, believed that the future of the american indians lie in uh, formal schooling yes for both boys and girls so they were also very supportive woot woot. of education for for the girls uh, they also thought it was important to integrate non-indian customs with their own gotcha um so i think some of that may be thrust upon them yeah that's what i wondered <laughs> how much of that is a they chose that evolution how much of that is look it might be better if yeah uh, I, I think yeah, yeah. I think a lot of their decision making was survival. How, how can we make this yeah. easy and a and a good life for our children? Right. And so yeah. they're trying to integrate um, certain aspects of uh, European Victorian culture into their own. Gotcha. Um, so as Susan grew, she learned about her heritage. Certainly, awesome. Um, but um, there were certain things that they limited. So she didn't have a traditional Indian name. So Susan's gotcha. name I can actually pronounce. Uh, Whereas your uh, medicine women, uh, their yeah, names were a little bit more complicated. <laughs> uh, so they kept her name, kind of a, um, a European name. Gotcha. Uh, also, uh, the Omaha would have uh, facial tattoos at certain yeah, points yeah. in their lives. And they didn't have... Uh, their children get those facial tattoos. Again, it was a way to integrate into kind of this white culture, if you will. Right. Um, She did speak Omaha. um, And she spoke Omaha at home. um, But her father and her siblings really encouraged her to speak English um, so Mm -hmm. that she could become fluent in both languages. And that would just ease her transition into the white world. Gotcha. Um, most of the time she refused to speak English. Yes! Uh, and she just chose to speak <laughs> Omaha at home, uh, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, but at least she she knew the language, yes. right? Yep. She had that choice in situations of her native language and yes. her secondary yes. language. And, yeah. it, and, and knowing the English language definitely benefits her later in life. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, so she was just a little, maybe a little strong and, <laughs> we do like a stubborn as a child as a small child the flesh witnessed a sick indian woman die after a white doctor refused to treat her oh. he actually never showed up uh after four requests to come and treat this indian Aww. woman so that really moved her yeah she would later say that this was the experience that would inspire her to study to become a physician. Ah. She wanted to be able to take care of her people. Sweet. Uh, she was educated on the reservation uh, where she and other Native Americans were taught practices of white society okay. uh, by teachers employed by the U.S. government. Yes. Oh, the so Indian schools. Was, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Some of them, I almost want to say all of them, but I don't know for sure. But a lot 
of them were horrible. Yes. So uh, the good thing is her parents also supported her in um, in post-elementary education, if you will. So she yeah, was yeah. educated mm-hmm. at the Elizabeth Institute in New Jersey and at the Hampton Institute in Virginia. Gotcha. Um, Hampton was actually a black college, but they also accepted Native Americans. Okay. So she was able to go there. Um, some of the hidden figures yes. went there. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, she attended uh, schools there with her siblings, and she learned housewifery skills. Oh. Hmm. That okay. was... Housewifery that skills. That was the... The focus. Yeah. I was not really excited about right. that one. Yeah. Uh, during her junior year, she scored the highest grade on her exams and her high s- housewifery skills. <laughs> um, and she graduated in 1886 as salutatorian. Cool. Um, it was then that she decided to apply to medical school. But even at this time, she was already excelling and breaking stereotypes mm-hmm. of uh, for women and Native Americans. Uh-huh. Um, she was not only fluent in English and um, um, auto. Uh, Mm -hmm. she, but she was able to, oh, sorry. She was, uh, fluent in English and her native tongue, Mm -hmm. Omaha, but she could also speak French and Otto. Otto was her mother's, one of, one of her mother's native languages. Um, but she learned to quote scripture. Uh, she learned Shakespeare. Uh, she learned to paint and play the piano. So she was branching out. rounded Very much so. Educated gal. Very much so. And her dad was really driving that to be well-rounded and to do something with your life, have yeah. a goal and do something with your life. So this, this medical, uh, medical school was kind of, kind of what came, came crystallized for her. Mm-hmm. Um, in Native American society, as we have spoken, uh, women were often healers or shamans, yeah. but it was really rare in the U.S. for a woman to go to medical school. Right. Uh, Susan was accepted, and I, I caught this earlier, Susan was accepted to the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania in oh, Philadelphia, hey. uh, one of the few medical schools on the East Coast mm-hmm. that actually accepted women. Yeah. So uh, that's I where she went. don't know if that's where Blackwell went. Um, Elizabeth Blackwell uh, was the first woman to go to medical school because they thought it was a joke in her application. Mm -hmm. And they went, ha ha, that's funny. And she showed up. (laughs) Very good. Very good. So there, yeah, we'll get to that because I think Mm -hmm. they say that she was the first one that graduated with a medical degree Uh to become a doctor. Gotcha. As a as a Native American, yes, there you go. Yes, nice. well, also Blackwell, she got her degree. She wasn't allowed to practice. Right, she had to start her own hospital. Right, <laughs> right, right. So yes, but no, that is amazing. Keep going. So uh, she had a they had a family friend uh, who lived on the reservation. Her name was Alice Fletcher, uh, and Alice had been nursed back to health after she had had an illness by Susan. Oh, nice. Um, so. Alice became kind of a mentor to her mm-hmm. and encouraged her to pursue her medical career and also offered her advice on how to um, work with the Connecticut Indian Association ah. and to request financial assistance. Oh, nice. Um, and Alice knew a thing or two about higher education as she was a Harvard-educated anthropologist. Ooh, nice. nice. And a pretty strong feminist. Sweet. So uh, Susan took advantage of this advice and she applied to the association and they sponsored Sponsored her through college, nice. so helped with um, everything, um, mm-hmm. applications, residency, everything. whatever. And, and, yeah, and it's all the expenses that go along with it, yeah. including books. like room and board yeah. and books and mm-hmm. things like that. Nice. Uh, and they also sponsored her afterwards, so they oh. would continue a relationship afterward. So Susan is considered the first person to receive financial aid mm-hmm. for professional education in the U.S. 
That's I thought cool. that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, in 1889, she graduated from medical school as valedictorian. Nice. And she had completed uh, medical school a year early. Oh. Ooh. So she too was a high achiever. I love the I love the overachievers. I know. I know. <laughs> it sounds like sometimes you know these women they show up with something to prove and uh, mm-hmm. they don't they don't let us down very much. I so like it. Uh, Susan stayed in Philadelphia to work for a year. Okay. Um, and that was part of her agreement for getting that financial aid that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, afterwards, she accepted a government position at the Omaha Indian School as a, phys- a physician. Ah. So Dr. Susan LaFleche is recognized as the first indigenous person to earn a medical degree to become a physician in the U.S. Cool. Yep. Look yep. at that. Uh, and at that time... She still couldn't vote, yeah, and she was still not considered an American citizen under U.S. law. Right, mm-hmm. right. But she was still breaking barriers, and she was helping oh, people, and she was helping people, yeah. and that was ultimately mm-hmm. that was ultimately her goal. Yeah, uh, she would continue her relationship with the Connecticut Indian Association and with her alma mater. She would speak in support of both, mm-hmm. um, and she would also speak. Uh, about the Native Americans' assimilation, gotcha. you know, into mm-hmm. white culture, um, because a lot of people were saying, you know, that could never happen. Right. And she was saying, it can happen, and I'm proof that it can happen. Right. So I can adopt to your culture, and I can succeed in your culture. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I get that. And that is important, as well as a choice of, I must stay with my people. Yes. <laughs> yes. But she's going to have sh- options. She's going to struggle with that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a physician on the reservation, she was responsible, obviously, for teaching the students mm-hmm. about health and hygiene, preventative me- medicine and things like washing mm-hmm. your hands, all that kind of stuff, just in general, keeping them healthy. Yeah. Um, and then even though it was beyond her responsibility, she would she would go on to care for the community yeah. at large. Um, she would make many house calls. Um Caring for patients with tuberculosis, uh, dysentery, um, cholera? Cholera. Cholera. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that right. Cholera. Yeah, that, uh, one's, that one's bad. It, yeah, most of them were very bad at that time, just given, mm-hmm. you know, just given their environment. Yeah. Um, so sometimes she was working 20 hours a day. The reservation was quite large. So, mm-hmm. you know, before she had a horse and before she had a car, she was she was doing this a lot on foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were some 1,300 people on the reservation that she was caring for. Right. Um, and she would... Because she was educated, uh, she would come to act as their lawyer, their accountant, their priest. Whatever they need, right? Whatever they need. So that's exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. She tried to help whatever they needed. Yeah. Um, And she was on a government salary of $500 per year. Uh, And we're talking late 1800s yes, yes. i mean that still feel i don't know the math yes. but it still feels like an insult it still um, feels bad yeah uh, she also received 250 dollars from the uh, the women's national indian association okay so they recognized her for her work in in the medical field and kind gotcha. of almost as a medical missionary right so they gave Which her she some might have turned around and just used as supplies right correct that's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh my goodness. Um, so she would continue working there, uh, but she resigned as a government physician in 1893 wow. after an illness of her own and also to help take care of her dying mother. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, In 1894, she met and became engaged to Henry Picot. He was a Sioux Indian. Mm-hmm. They were married in June of 1894 and together had two boys. Ah. Um, she continued to work as a physician in private practice 
with support of Henry, mm-hmm. uh, and she treated uh, both white patients and Omaha. Gotcha. Uh, and she lived in the town of Bancroft. Her and the family. Um, she would go on to serve uh, the board on the board of health and was a founding member member of the local medical society. Cool. Um, so she also became a social reformer. Okay. Uh, she spoke out a lot about alcoholism. Yes. Uh, now, oh, especially at that time, temperance. Yes. yes. So Henry was an alcoholic. So this, uh, I think, drove part mm-hmm. of her concern. But she also saw how the white man took advantage of the Indians. So they would come onto the reservation. They would ply the Indians with alcohol, and then uh, they would make business deals with them. Oh. And, of course, the business deals yeah. would be to the advantage of the white man right. and not the drunk mm-hmm. Indian. Oh. So uh, so Susan yeah. would work to outlaw the sale of alcohol on the reservation to help eliminate that issue. Gotcha. Um, she also was a social reformer when it came to tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually killed her husband in 1905, as oh. well as killing hundreds of others in the Omaha community. Yeah. Um, Henry suffered, uh, but his condition was probably amplified by his alcoholism. Gotcha. But she mm-hmm. definitely became a, a reformer with regard to the health conditions that lead to TB. Gotcha. Um, as the chair of the state health committee, she spearheaded an effort to establish a hospital on the reservation. Nice. Um, the hospital, which would later be renamed in her honor, oh. was completed in 1913, and it was the first privately funded hospital on a reservation. Oh. So there were no U.S. government funding that went toward this hospital. Gotcha. So therefore, they built it with their own money, right. and they were in control of it. they needed it. Yes. So, yeah, yes. absolutely. And that was very, very important to her. That's great. Um. After her husband died, um, she found that it took her two years to get the money from the sale of the property that she inherited from Henry. Uh-huh. And this was due to the fact that the land was, was in reality owned by the US, by a U.S. government trust. Oh. And so there was just lots and lots of red Legal. tape mm. to go through. And yeah. it took two years to get the money. Uh, and then it even took longer to get money for the boys. So she was really gotcha. annoyed with this land process. allocation yeah. and, the, and the process that, that was wrapped up in there. So uh, so she became a spokesperson with regard to that as well. Nice. Um, she also found that the white man would also um, make it complicated in that they would work with Indians on the reservation and commit fraud against the Indians on the reservation. Uh. Um, So even though Susan spoke out in support of Omaha's identity and Mm -hmm. their own ability to have this bicultural nature, um, in this case, she actually petitioned for the... uh, petitioned the government to continue their guardianship of the land. And the reason was that she, she said... Her claim was the white man had stifled the development of business skills and knowledge among the Indians Mm -hmm. and thus created a situation of incompetence Uh, of the Omaha. So they couldn't be responsible for for all of this because they didn't have the skill set to take care of their land and things like that. So uh, she would continue to have this weird fight with the U.S. government over land allocations and having their own individuality, but sometimes those were at conflict with Mm -hmm. each other. Sometimes she was looking for protections (laughs) of her people because people were taking advantage of her people. Yeah. Yeah. And she would fight, um, but as we know... They ended up losing 
yeah. all of their ancestral lands anyway. So I think that that was her fight and her frustration over the last years of her life. Yeah. Uh, she was trying. She was trying to help her people as trying much as she could. Fight the good fight in right. a way that maybe going forward it would be easier for right. uh, for her people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But unfortunately that did not that yeah. did not really come to come to fruition as she had hoped. Gotcha. But she tried. She did. She did. (laughs) Absolutely. And she was later recognized for that. Uh, She suffered uh, most of her life from chronic illnesses and pain. So lots of random things. She was around a lot of sick people. Yes. She was around a lot of sick sick people. Yeah. But even herself, um, like she had repeated ear infections. Gotcha. And she eventually went deaf in one ear. Um, And these, the the infections they think led to her to develop cancer. Oh. So they were hmm. chronic and gotcha. She never immune system might have been just really yeah. low, yeah, because yeah, she's so busy fighting off other things. Yes, gotcha. yes. So when the hospital was built in 1913, that was kind of one of the things that she wanted to see happen. She was able to see it happen. She wanted to run the hospital, but unfortunately, she was too weak to even yeah. do it as a solo administrator. So she did participate in the hospital. Uh, for at least a couple of years. Um, but she was, by that time, she was suffering greatly uh, from the cancer. Gotcha. And she was only 50 years old at the oh. time. So I was going to say, did she find a successor? Because I'm starting to feel a book ending of her father, you know what I mean? The successor sort of thing to yes. take over. Yes. So, yeah. so, I mean, a lot of what she struggled with um, against the government, I mm-hmm. mean, those struggles would continue. Yeah. And again, they lost most of their ancestral lands. Gotcha. But yeah. her siblings and her her uh, her half-brother, um, they would become spokespeople for her. Oh. And they would succeed her. Gotcha. Um, and, and they were well-known in their community by, by continuing that, by being yeah. spokespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, before her death, this was very interesting. Before her death... Her siblings were trying to get her some relief. So they reached out to the scientist, this scientist who actually was in France. Ah. The scientist is someone you may have heard of named Madame Curie. <gasps> really? So they, they mailed, they, I started to say they emailed her. No, Wait, they, did, they most I don't certainly think they did not. I mean, if they did, they, we're going to have a different conversation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so they mailed her. Um, and Madame Curie actually sent a pellet of radium oh. to Susan. Through the in mail. The mail. It arrived from Paris Ooh. in a lead-lined box. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because if you didn't have cancer then. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Okay. Lead-lined so, so uranium. Yes. So Madame Curie thought that this yeah. would cure cancer. Right. Right. And at least alleviate some of the pain. Right. So the local doctor, I'm sure with some you know, protection, took and put the pellet in Susan's ear in hopes to cure the cancer, at least alleviate the pain. I I see. Yeah, I get it. I I get it. It it did not work. Really? It did not work. So unfortunately, she succumbed to her cancer uh, September 18th, 1915. Uh, She's buried in a cemetery in Bancroft, Nebraska, and she's buried near her husband, her father, mother, sisters, and half-brother. Oh. Or they're buried. They're together. They're all mm-hmm. together. Yeah. They were all together eventually. Oh. Uh, the Reservation Hospital, the one that mm-hmm. I mentioned was renamed in her honor, uh, would go on to serve as a community center and an elderly care center as well. Oh. And it was declared as a National Historic Landmark in 1993. Oh, good. So it, it's still there. Then. Yes. 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 It is. And um, 
but even though she was very well known in her community, in the Omaha community, uh, she was virtually unknown beyond that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, however, in 2017, she became the subject of a biography, A Warrior of the People, uh, and that was written by Joe Starita. Gotcha. I have ordered that book and oh, we'll have that for the sweet. library. Uh, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. And she also became the subject of a PS documentary, hmm. documentary entitled Medicine Woman. Which is very hard to find. It is. It, it was is. one I that did. I was trying to find for mm-hmm. Film Club. Yes. And it was just, it, I believe you can get it on Amazon. Yeah. And it, it does have a fee attached to it. Yeah. Which, you know, fully all about. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't have a whole bunch of different options. Right. But it looks great. Yes. yes. Well, I'm going to... I'll try to peruse that and see, yeah. see what's, what's going on there. Uh, but it does sound like that that kind of g- gave her the recognition that she that needed. So that was in the yes. 2017 time frame. Mm-hmm. So four years later, on Nebraska's first officially recognized Indigenous Peoples Day, ah. October 11th, 2021, a bronze sculpture of Dr. Susan LaFleche Picot was unveiled at Lincoln Centennial Mall. Oh. Uh, at the unveiling, the chairman of the Omaha tribe said that when Dr. Picot noticed that the tribal people weren't getting the care they needed, she took it upon herself and got herself educated. Uh, descendants of Picot were actually at the unveiling nice. uh, and said that she used her education to further her lifelong commitment of helping her community. So, and it's Aww. good for them that, yeah. you know, that she continued to do that until she died. Right. Um, and it's good for all of us, I think, that she's finally received some of this recognition. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, exactly. Um, so but, that we can know her story, you know, and keep her immortal in that way yes, of, yes. of her story and her help and her efforts. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, again, you know, she was held back in many ways. Right. Um, Mostly by the U.S. government. U.S. government. <laughs> uh, but she found ways to succeed at what she wanted to do yes. and became a spokesperson for people and a healer and a medicine woman. Yes. So, yeah. So kind of a cool story. I love that. So she didn't le- live nearly as long. I mean, she only lived half as long. You know what? But she did amazing things she with her did. short time on this earth. She did amazing yeah. things. So yeah. it's about quality, not right. quantity. <laughs> Sometimes it can be nice to have both. Yes. It's <laughs> true. I think we, we don't all... all get that lucky. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, do you want to wrap us up for the year, year. for the I season? I, no pressure. Uh, the, yeah, or, that's a lot of pressure or right there. Do you want me to do it? No, I, I believe that I, I believe you can do it. Let's yes. try it. There you go. Do it. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for us this month and for 2023. Amazing. I can't even believe we're saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take the month of December off to take care of ourselves and others like we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also are getting ready for our seventh season. Seven. I can't believe that. Seven, seven seasons. seasons. We've been doing this for seven years. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Sorry, we've been doing this for six years. We're going to be doing it for seven. It's a long time regardless. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, as a little insider info for our glorious listeners, mm-hmm. in 2024, we're going to be learning about women around the world. Woo-hoo! We will be starting with the women from down under, Australia. Mm-hmm. We look forward to traveling with you. And as always, thanks for listening. Woo-woo! For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Galsguide patron today. Thanks for listening.